Well, good morning again. Glad to be together. If you're joining us online, welcome and excited for our time. And, you know, we just sang that song that said, we're giving it all away. And what, that, that's just a, an attitude of obedience. Let's let that be our prayer this morning. God, here's my life. Take my life. Whatever you want to do in me, through me, God, I am yours. I surrender. That's obedience and an attitude of obedience. That's how we want to approach um, our time together this morning and honestly every day. Let's like, can we wake up in the morning and say, God, I don't know what the day holds, but God, I'm, I'm giving it to you. I'm, I'm surrendering myself to you. So glad to be here this morning. Glad to be together. Um, if you've been with us the last couple weeks, we've had times of like um, some discussion moments. And so we're going to start with that again this week. And so um, kind of wherever you're sitting, you can turn your chair around, you, may, you know, maintain distancing, masks, all that kind of thing. But, you know, find um, two or three or four other people to kind of turn around and discuss with. And so here's your first question this morning. Hopefully, hopefully it's a simple one. What is one of the recent highlights of your life? Maybe it's something that's like, I had a really good meal, or maybe it's something really, really major. So turn around, kind of where you are, find someone. If you're online, interact, comment. What is one of the recent highlights of your life? I'll give you a few moments, then we'll come back together. All right, let's come back together. Uh, so you had a few moments to share a recent highlight, and here's what I want us to see from that. Hopefully you got a chance to talk and interact, um, you know, and we'll, some other times we'll, we'll hear from the group. So for now, I'll just kind of share within your group. But here's the thing. We love to share good news. Like when good things happen, we like to share it, even to the level of like, hey, I, I ate at a really good restaurant, or I watched a really good movie, or whatever it was. Like, we naturally like to tell people that we love to share good news. As we've finalized today our final sermon in our Jonah series, and, and we've been looking at how Jonah shows us the transforming power of the gospel. The book of Jonah shows us how God transforms hearts through the power of the gospel. He transformed the people of Nineveh, and God was transforming and wanted to transform Jonah's heart. So that's what we've been looking at through the whole thing. And so through this series, we want to grow in our desire and obedience in sharing this life-changing good news with others. Like We have good news. We have the best news to share news of Jesus and that our life can be made whole in him. So that's what we want to focus on today, what that looks like for us as individuals, for us as a church, to share the good news of Jesus. If you've been with us, if you're familiar with the story of Jonah, let's give a little recap. If you're not familiar with it, here's your, uh, well, here's your, your catch-up point, all right? So as we're looking at the book of Jonah, it's a, Jonah was a prophet in the Old Testament. You can go there in your Bible. Feel free to use the table of contents. It's very small and kind of hidden in the middle. So go find the book of Jonah. So we're talking about this Old Testament prophet Jonah. And God calls Jonah to go to a city called Nineveh and to tell them to turn away from their evil and turn to God. The people of Nineveh, they were the, the Assyrian people. They were known at that time for being cruel and evil. And Jonah does not want to go to them because he doesn't want to see God have mercy on them. Like he knows that God wants to be merciful. He's like, I'm not going because if I go, God's going to be merciful on them. He doesn't like them. So he runs the opposite way from the city of Nineveh. He gets on a ship and goes to a city called Tarshish, which is all the way across the Mediterranean Sea in modern-day Spain. And he's running literally as far away as he can from 
what God has called him to do. In the process, and you know the, if you know the story, there is a storm that comes on the ship, and the sailors are like, what is going on? And Jonah's like, yeah, uh, I'm disobeying the God, the king of kings. I'm disobeying the God of all creation. And they're like, well, don't do that. And he's like, okay, if you throw me into the water, the storm will stop. They're like, well, we don't want to throw you into the water. Like, why would we do that? And they're like, eventually they do. They throw him into the sea. Everything goes calm. And this is where the story gets a little odd, right, if you know the story. Jonah goes into the water, and he's swallowed by what the Bible says in Jonah chapter 117, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. So Jonah is now inside this giant fish, and it says he's there for three days and three nights inside the fish. We talked about this last week. Jonah cries out to the Lord. He's like, God, get me out of this. Rescue me. I'm going to do what you want me to do. And so the, you know, God has got a plan for Jonah. This, this, uh, apparently, this great fish, you know, the ship was going one way, the fish takes him back the other way. In the end of chapter 2, it says, The Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out on the dry land. He's right back where he started, and God tells him again, Go preach to the people of Nineveh. And so Jonah goes, even though he's still reluctant, he preaches to them, and the whole city, from the king all the way down to the least, follows God. They repent, they turn from their sins, they put their faith in God, and God has mercy on, this, on, on them. So Jonah, you go to chapter 4, Jonah's angry about this. He's like, God, why would you do that? These people are awful. Why would you be merciful to them? What we see is that Jonah still needed transformation in his own heart. So this morning, with this story of Jonah as our backdrop, I actually want us to get really practical on what it looks like for us to share the good news of Jesus with the people around us. Our main idea this morning is is simple. We are sent with a message of good news. Jonah was sent. And what we'll see, he was sent with a message, and it really was good news. We are sent with a message of good news. Because of Jesus, as Christians, what he has done. Think about this. This is what we believe as Christians, that Jesus The Son of God who came, gave his life, died for our sin so that we no longer face the judgment of death, but we can be forgiven and come into relationship with God both now and for eternity. This is good news because otherwise we don't have a way to do that. We don't have a way to deal with our sin. We don't have a way to fix what's wrong inside of us. So this is good news, but like we said last week, we can be hoarders of the gospel instead of heralds of the gospel. We can say, okay, good, I like that. That's for me. Let's, let's kind of group up in our little like church group and do our church things. Let's, let's do that. That's good. And we can hoard what God has given us. But God is calling us to be heralds, to proclaim, to announce the good news of Jesus. And so Jonah, he ran from that. He wanted to hoard it to himself. He didn't want to give this good news to the Ninevites. But God said, no, be a herald of the gospel. So like Jonah, Our problem is that we can run from the calling that God has given us. And we can can say, oh, and we can justify it. We can do all kinds of things. We can avoid sharing our faith for a whole lot of reasons. So take a moment in your groups again here and answer this question. What are some common reasons that as Christians we don't share our faith? Maybe you can speak from experience or maybe you can speak from just observation. But what are some common reasons that we don't share our faith? So talk about that in your group and we'll come back together here in just a moment. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of things. There's fear of rejection, fear of not knowing the answers, not knowing where to start, not wanting to Jesus juke people, 
You know what that means? You know what Jesus juke? Like someone walks up and like, hey, it's hot out here. Well, it's hot in hell also. And then all of a sudden they're like, what is going on with this conversation? Like this is weird, right? Uh, I was with someone one time. Uh, here, have you ever in Montreal, like have you ever like outside of a metro or something before like when people still like were talk to you outside, right? Um, I, I think it was like an organization like Doctors Without Borders or something like that. They had the little vests on and they were giving away things. And I was with a guy and they said like, hey, have you heard of Doctors Without Borders? He said, no, but I know the great physician. And they were like, what are you talking about? Like, that's a Jesus juke, right? So we're, we're, we don't want to, like, Jesus juke the situation. Like, but, but then I, I think these are all, like, these are true, like, reasons. Then I think we can go deeper into our hearts. Like, sometimes we don't share the gospel because we don't love that person. Like, we're just not willing to take the step and, like, you know, to do that. Or maybe we just think we don't, we don't think or we don't understand the, the, the importance of sharing Jesus with others or the urgency, like how vital and important it is. And so this morning, like these are all things, and there are things that all of us face. And, and you know, there's no one in this room that has not felt those things. Like, I want to tell, I want to share the good news of Jesus, but there's these barriers. And so this morning, I hope to make this practical and natural for what it looks like to share our faith. And so I want to help equip you with a practical tool this morning called Three Circles that I find so helpful in sharing Jesus with others. Now some of you know this, and maybe you know it well, and maybe this morning is just kind of a, a refresher for that. Maybe it's new to you, uh, but my hope is, is that it does give you a desire and a bit of a confidence in sharing Jesus with others. As we step back, my prayer for myself, my prayer for this church is that we would be a church that is so transformed by the gospel that we cannot help but talk about it. We cannot help but overflow out of our lives the goodness of Jesus in us. And so hopefully this is very, very practical today because we are sent with a message of good news. When we look back at the story of Jonah, we see that he was sent with a message. If you look at chapter 1, verse 2, it says, God says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Well, that doesn't sound like good news, but hang on. Then in chapter 3, verse 2, after Jonah like, is in the fish, he says, A second time God comes and says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, the message that I tell you. And then in, in verse 4, we see Jonah's actual message. Jonah, it says, he, went, he called out, he says, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Like, is this good news? Like, is this a message of good news? And it seems odd, because he's going and saying, Hey, turn away from your sin, because God's going to bring judgment on you. But at its core, the message that Jonah was proclaiming was, was that, was turn away from your sin and turn to God. And on the surface, it, this message seems a little like doom and gloom, but it's a message of hope. Because God is inviting the people of Nineveh to turn away from their sin, their evil, their false gods, and to experience instead the mercy and the forgiveness and the grace of the true and living God. And so even in Jonah's message that's like, turn away from your evil, it's God saying, oh, come to me. Because in me you can find life Really, this is our message too. It's a message of good news that God, the Almighty, the Holy Creator God, is inviting people. He's invited us. He's inviting people to experience forgiveness and grace and mercy and relationship with Him. People all around us are searching. They're looking for hope. They're trying to make sense of life. I, I think COVID has caused that even to a heightened sense that people are saying, where do I find a firm foundation? Where do I find something 
that makes sense in my life, that brings peace in my heart. People are searching for good news, the kind of good news that gives purpose and meaning. And we as the church are sent out with a message of good news. And so, before we get into the practical part of this message, you've got a little note card and a pen on your chair. You're going to use that um, for, for drawing something in a moment. So this is art class sermon today. But, so hang on to that. But before we get into that, I want, to, I, want to do, I want to talk about three important truths about sharing Jesus with others. And so we're going to teach like this like practical tool. These are kind of the caveats. These are like we've got to know these first in order for this to, to make sense. The first thing is this. Salvation begins with God. Salvation begins with God. What we see in the story of Jonah is that God is a missionary God. What do I mean by that? I mean that if you kind of zoom out a little bit from the story, what's happening? It's this. God is the one initiating and pursuing and going after the Assyrian people. Verse, I mean, in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah and his son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh. Verses 1, and then chapter 3, verse 2, he says it again, arise and go to Nineveh. What is God doing? God is taking the step towards the Ninevite people. They weren't seeking him. They were living their lives and running from God as hard as they could. But God is a missionary God. He is pursuing them, going after them. God, in this whole story, when we zoom out and see the big picture, God is the one arranging it so that the people of Nineveh can respond to his mercy, even to the level of a giant fish getting this guy Jonah and taking him the other way. God is the one arranging this because God loves the people of Nineveh. God loved them and wanted them to turn from their sin and know him. Salvation begins with God. It's his work. And God is at work all around us today, inviting people to come to know him. God is at work in your neighbor's life, in your coworkers, the people you go to school with, the people that live around you, the people in your community. God is at work drawing people to himself. We can take the burden on ourselves. Oh, I've got to do something because these people need to hear Jesus. That's a good desire, but it's so vital for us to remember. Salvation begins with God. He begins the work that God his heart is for all people I said this last week that God desires that every tribe and tongue and nation would worship before him think about it in our own lives salvation begins with God God has come after us no one here no one was saying I know that I need God we were living our own way, doing our thing, and God is the one that began the work in our heart that we would turn and respond to his mercy. Even in Jesus, it's God coming to us. Jesus is the incarnate son of God, meaning that he was God. He stepped out of heaven and took on human flesh. He came to us. God is a missionary God. He comes to us. Salvation begins with him, and so... As a church, we do, and we want to do what God does. We go. He is our pattern. He is our example of we go to others with good news. So that's the first thing. It's so vital to understand. It's not on our shoulders. It's not on our shoulders that people turn to Jesus. God is the one who does the work. Salvation begins with God. Secondly, sharing the gospel is an overflow Sharing the gospel should be an overflow 
of abiding in Christ. Early this year, we did a series called Abide, and we talked about this. And in John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And this gives us this incredible picture that the fruit that we want to bear the good things that come out of our lives, the obedience, the sharing the gospel, all of these things, that comes as we are connected to Christ. Sharing the gospel is a natural overflow of God's work in us. And just like a tree producing fruit is the natural process of the tree. And we can get off bait, we can get off here because we can say, well, I've got to do this, I've got to make this happen. But the thing that God has called us to do is to abide in Him to rest in him, to draw near to him, to draw our life from him. And when we are living in that and we are seeking Jesus and experiencing his life in us day by day, the life of Jesus then lives through us. And it's an an overflow. As simple as if I took this cup and kept pouring coffee into it, it's going to go everywhere. The more and more that we are filled with Jesus, the more and more the Spirit of God fills our lives as we seek him, and walk in obedience, and surrender to him, it overflows to the people around us. As the gospel transforms our hearts, we become more and more fluent in the gospel. There's a book called Gospel Fluency. I highly recommend it. But think about this fluency idea, right? If you are an English speaker and you come to Montreal, you might know a few things. You could say, bonjour, comment ça va? Yeah, okay, you can say that. But then if someone just starts just talking like, fast, like, you know, and they're telling you something, you're like, whoa, 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 I know a little bit of French, right? I, I don't know all of it. I'm not fluent, right? We get this concept of fluency. Another example I use is this, right? I think, and I know there are some people in this room and maybe online as well that love Star Wars, okay? If you talk to me about Star Wars, I can be like, yeah, Star Wars, they fly on these ships, it's a guy named Luke, they have lightsabers, but when you start saying like, well, yeah, so-and-so lives on this planet, and he came here, I'm like, I'm done. I'm not fluent in Star Wars. I know a little bit, I, but I don't know, like, right? But, but this is often the case sometimes with the gospel. We can get in a conversation, and we're, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, God sent Jesus, um, but then when it comes down to, well, what does that look like in my day-to-day life? We may not have the fluency to say, well, here's how the gospel changes our lives. Here's what it means. But it all starts from this point, and that's okay. Like, don't, don't feel bad this morning. Like, that's what we want to grow in. But what we want to see is that the gospel, that sharing the gospel is an overflow. And the more and more that we know it in our own hearts, the more and more fluent that we become in the gospel, experiencing it in our, li- in our own lives, the more and more it can flow out of us. Because like, you know, in the beginning, we, we shared highlights of our lives. Here's the thing. We talk about what we love, and we love what we talk about. Think about that. When we take our lives and say, Jesus, my life is yours, and we experience the love of God, we experience the grace and the forgiveness of God, it starts to overflow. That when our hearts, when we, God, I love you with all of my heart and soul and mind and strength, it is natural for that to flow out of us. You won't be fluent in the gospel if the gospel isn't really good news to you yet. Maybe you need to process that this morning. Just the gospel's never going to overflow 
out of my life or out of your life if, we, if it's not good news to us. When we look at the story of Jonah, that was part of his issue. He wanted God's mercy for himself, but not for others. He was wrongly understanding God's mercy. He thought it was just for certain people. He didn't understand the full weight of the good news and the grace of God towards him and towards others. So ask yourself that question. Wrestle with that. Is the gospel good news to you? And if it is, say, God, let me, let me know it even more. Let it overflow. And this morning, if you're like, I don't know if I really have it in my heart, understanding it, then say, God, here I am. Speak to me. Help me understand what, you're, what God is te- communicating to us through the gospel. Because it starts in you and spills out of your heart through your mouth to the world, for it's the, out of the overflow of your heart that the mouth speaks. Part of what I want us to see in this point is this, is that any method or tool of sharing the gospel is useless if we are not abiding in Christ. Because if we don't know it, if we aren't abiding in Christ, it's never going to overflow out of our life. It's always going to be forced any method or tool is useless unless we're abiding in Christ. And, and this is in my notes. Let me just stop there. Wherever you are in this moment, wherever your heart is, God is saying, come to me. Turn from your sin. Put your faith in me. He invites us continually into abiding. And when we just say, when we stop and say, oh God, have mercy on me. I want to abide in you. I can't do it on my own. God does that in that moment. It's not something we have to earn or work ourselves up to. It's not like i got to work really hard to abide. It's in surrender. God, here's my life. The final thing before we get into the practical part is this. Sharing the gospel is not a sales pitch. Now, maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you've done this. I, I know I have done this at times. Maybe you, maybe you have as well. But it is not, sharing Jesus with others is not a sales pitch. It's not a formula. It's not a method. It's not manipulation. Why? If we do this, people know right away, right? You know when someone's trying to sell you something. And the gospel is so much bigger than that. We're not trying to sell. There's even a sense we're not even trying to convince. We're just trying to say, this is the good news of Jesus so take a moment, you're going to ask you a question again here. What kind of experiences have you had sharing the gospel? Now, it could be that like, hey, I, I shared the gospel and it went really well, or it did not go well, or, you know, so share that. Or maybe, what kind of experience have you had with someone sharing the gospel with you? Maybe before you were a Christian, someone shared the gospel, and maybe it went really well, or maybe you're like, Please stay away from me. You're weird. You're attacking me with a, trying to sell me something. So take a few minutes. What is your experience, either in sharing it or someone sharing it with you? So take a few moments and we'll talk together here again. All right. Let's come back together. Let's just, for the sake of this, let's just do a a show of hands. 
Who has had a good experience in sharing the gospel before? I have. I've had good experiences. All right, who's had a bad experience in sharing the gospel? Probably, I mean, I have as well. So, right, and so we've, there's all kinds of experiences in between. And, you know, again, we, like we've all experienced like someone um, coming even to us, you know, with a, a bit of a sales pitch. And it just, you know, we know it from a mile away. I'm sorry, a kilometer away because we are in Canada, right? Um, sharing the gospel is not a sales pitch. We actually have to love people. And this was part of Jonah's problem. He did not love the people of Nineveh. We see it in how it pre- even how he preaches to them. Again, in, in verse 4 of chapter 3, this is his sermon. Like, it doesn't, I mean, I don't know if there's more that we don't see, but this is what we have recorded. He walks in, he says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown, and then he like leaves. So even in that, he's like, it feels kind of forced. He's like, come on, Jonah, you don't even really care. You're just, you're, you're obeying here, but there's, you know, it feels a little bit forced. But we have to actually love people. And again, how do we love people? The only way we love people is experiencing the love of God ourselves. That's not just because we're so nice. It's when we experience the grace and forgiveness of God, it allows us to look at other people and say, wow, I didn't deserve the love of God, and you don't either, but God gives it freely. That's good news. But this can be a little bit tricky, right? The gospel is not a sales pitch, so how do we, how do we manage that, right? Because when you get really practical, like should we befriend people? so that we can share the gospel with them? Does that feel manipulative? Could be, maybe. And something that was really helpful for me on this, there's a, there's a book that we read with our, our staff team a while back called The Art of Neighboring. And one of the helpful things from this book was this concept of ultimate motives and ulterior motives. And if we befriend someone with an ulterior motive, basically saying, I'm just being nice to you so that I can tell you about Jesus or so that I can invite you to my church or something like that, then we will come across as not really caring about people. We're just trying to say our thing. We're just trying to do our thing. And that's an ulterior motive. But if we befriend people with the ultimate goal, the ultimate motive of sharing Jesus with them, It allows us to truly love and care for that person, right? If we believe the gospel that Jesus is the only way and that our sins can be forgiven, then the most loving thing that we can do for someone is to share the gospel with them, that being our ultimate motive. And the difference there is that we simply just love them. If they respond to Christ, praise God. If they don't, we just keep loving them. We can have people in our lives that, you know, our deepest desire is for them to turn to Jesus, but we don't run away from them if they are not there, or wrestling through it. So we don't want to have ulterior motives. I know it seems like just wordplay. I don't mean it that way. We don't want to have like, well, I'm just being nice so that I can tell you my thing. But I believe as Christians, if the gospel is true, if God's word is true and we believe that it is, then our ultimate motive is to say, to share the good news of Jesus with people and see them respond. It's not a sales pitch. And we're going to, so we're going to talk about three circles here in just a moment. Here's what I want to say before we do that. Three circles, we're going to see this on the screen. That'll make sense in a moment. It's just a tool. And there's a lot of different ways to share the gospel. And maybe you've, you have something in your brain that works really well. Great. Maybe you've learned something in the past. Maybe this is new for you. Like This is one that I find really helpful, um, even in the way that we just think about it. But it is not a magic bullet. It is just a tool, a way of 
organizing our thoughts so that we share with people the good news of Jesus. Because again, God alone transforms hearts. The gospel, like, if you, there are all kinds of stories. There are times when, you know, you, can, you may share the gospel with someone and just be like, well, that was a mess, and yet God transforms their hearts. And there's other times when you may be like, well, I knocked that out of the park and nothing happens. It's, it's God who does the work. And so please hear that. I'm going to teach a specific thing this morning, but it's just a tool. It's God alone who transforms hearts. And really, prayer is the first work of sharing the gospel. That we just begin to pray for the people around us, that God would open their hearts. We are sent with a message of good news. All right, so here we go. Here's where we get practical. If you've got that little piece of paper, uh, the note card and the pen, um, Make use of that this morning. You'll get to keep that. Um, and, and again, this can be hopefully very, very practical. So how do we get practical? First question is this. How do we start gospel conversations? Right? That can be the, one of the hardest parts. How do we get into the conversation? How do we go from small talk to gospel conversation without Jesus juking people like we already talked about, right? Most of us, it's, we can stand around and chat and have small talk, and many of us would be able to sit down and say, this is who Jesus is, this is what he has done. But it's finding where that connects that can be very, very hard sometimes. So here's three, these are, again, these are just helpful things. This is not a magic bullet. The first thing is get to know people. Ask someone their name, get to know them. I try to practice this myself. If I'm at a park or something and Lottie loves to get in the swings, like she will stay in the swings a long time. And, and if there's, sometimes if there's another parent there and I don't know them, I'm, I, I simply just start to pray quietly and then I just say, hey, I'm James, what's your name? Like, it seems so simple and yet I've seen over and over how that opens doors for conversations. And so it's a small step, but just get to know someone. If it's a neighbor, ask them their name. If you've lived next to them for 20 years and you don't know their name, say, I'm really sorry, I don't know your name. What's your name? Just like, you know, humble yourself and, and, or, or just say, or, or maybe even worse, I, I forgot your name. Like, that's hard to do, but do it. Ask people their name, get to know them. It's the start, it seems so simple, but it's just the starting point of building a relationship with someone. Second thing, find common ground. How do we do that? Ask them good questions. Ask about their family. Ask about their interests, their hobbies, their occupation. Ask them where they're from, what they like to do on the weekends. These are just practical things that just open doors to get to know someone, find common ground, have conversation. And finally, listen and pray. This is really important. When you ask questions, just listen. <laughs> listen to people. Like, I'm right there. I can be thinking about the next thing I'm going to say, but just listen as you hear people's stories. Because when, when people are speaking, often the more and more you get to know someone, we start to hear, like, the places where they've been hurt or the places where they're hoping for something or the places, you know, all these different things. People, we become more and more vulnerable over time. So listen, and then I said listen and pray. Like, when we're in these conversations with people, just very quickly and quietly begin to say, God, would you give me wisdom? Help me, help me listen. Help me know how to share Jesus with this person. So starting gospel conversations. And I think this applies. Maybe it's someone that you just like, again, you just met them in that moment. This is a con these are conversations that could happen over the span of 10 or 15 minutes that could open a door for a gospel conversation. And that's a good thing. And I encourage that to be listening and obedient and bold in those things. But it's also something that could happen over months with a neighbor. You get to know them. You're listening to them. You're praying for them. And so this is not like a, you know, okay, do this in this moment. But 
let's be ready to say, God, would you use us wherever we are? We can get to know people, find common ground, and listen to them and begin to pray. So that's it. Starting gospel conversations. Hopefully those things are helpful. And then next, sharing the gospel. So here's where we get into the practical part of it. So we're going to put a picture here on the screen of three circles. And what you're going to see, um, hopefully everyone can see that. So it says God's design, brokenness, and gospel. Those are the three circles. And there's connecting words. Sin at the top. Over here on the side, it says repent and believe. And on the other side, recover and pursue. So what I would ask you to do, if you use your piece of paper and draw this out as we go through it. This is a simple way of thinking and practicing how to do this. There, there are plenty of times when I have sat down with people and got a piece of paper and draw this out. Because I think many people are very visual and it's very helpful. But the more and more that we learn and listen... We can, often when I'm talking to someone, this is the picture in my head. I don't know if you're like that or not, but this is, this is how I organize my thoughts. I'm not drawing something out. I'm not, you know, but I'm, but I'm simply helping walk through a process of clearly sharing the gospel. So draw this out as we go. The first one there, God's design. What's that talking about? It's this. As we're talking with someone, we can begin to say, listen, there is a God who loves you. He designed and created everything. He created you to be in relationship with him. And what God designed and what God created was perfect. So we share about God's design, God's plan, that every person would be in relationship with him. But there's a problem, and this is where we get our next thing here, and the problem is sin. We talk about that, we can talk about sin, but sin is rebellion against God. It's saying, God, thank you for what you've done, but I'll take it from here. I'll do what I want to do. The Bible shows us this problem in Romans 3.23. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In 6.23 of Romans, it says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The problem is sin. When we look at the story of the Bible, the story of the gospel, what God created was perfect, and yet humanity rebelled against God and sinned against God and ran from God. And what that leaves us at is that we are separated from God. And it brings us to the next circle. So sin is rebellion against God, and the result of sin is brokenness. And we all know what that feels like. We know brokenness in our own hearts. We know what it feels like to feel guilt and shame and fear. We know what it feels like to have a broken relationship. We know what it feels like when we've done something wrong. We've experienced brokenness. We've been rejected. We've hurt other people. All of these things. But then if you back up and look at the world on a big picture, it is pretty easy to look at the world and say, yeah, this doesn't seem like this is the way it's supposed to be. The world is broken, and the brokenness in the world and the brokenness in our own lives is a result of sin. So we experience brokenness, and you look at these little squiggly lines that come off the side. Here's what we do as humans. Here's what those represent, and you can write this down. Those represent our attempts as humanity to fix our brokenness. We say, oh, I feel broken, so I need to have a really good career and make a lot of money. So that could be a career or money, could be one of those little squiggly lines. And we say, if I get that, then I'm going to be happy. Or we could say, if I could get into the right relationship, then I'm going to be happy. That person will fulfill me. Or we say, you know what, I feel really broken. I should, you know, if I'm a really good person, if I'm generous and help people, 
involved in the community, if I do that, that's going to satisfy something in my heart. And I'm going to be a good person and God's going to look at me and that's going to be enough. Or maybe even one of those squiggly lines could be religion. If I go to church and I read the Bible and I pray and I do all these things, if I do that enough, then God will love me and accept me. But what's the problem? None of those things deals with the real issue, which is sin. They just, they're just our attempts to fix our brokenness. We make our kids do chores, right? Any other kids out there got to do chores? Anybody do chores as a kid, right? They're important. And the other day, I had one of my daughters was washing dishes, and it was like a greasy pan. And I was like, you know, no, her hands, we made meatballs, and her hands were like really, really greasy. And I was like, okay, I'm going to turn the water on, but you have to have this soap. Because if you don't have it, it won't cut through the grease. And it's a good image of the gospel. That if we're just trying to fix ourselves. We're just rubbing that grease around and it doesn't cut. There's nothing that cuts through it. We've still got this problem of greasy hands. You have to have something that comes and cuts through that grease, which in the, you know, in the meatball hand situation is soap, right? So but here's the thing with the gospel. like We cannot fix ourselves. We cannot deal with the problem in us. It's only through Jesus that we are forgiven. So this brokenness shows us, and it shows up for people in very different ways. Some people, like I've already said, hey, if I get the right job or the right career, some people say, you know what, I don't like this brokenness that I feel, and I'm going to run from it. I'm going to try to hide from it. I'm going to go shopping and buy all the things. I'm going to do all the things. I'm going to try to escape from this brokenness. Keep trying to cover it up and cover it up and escape. But it doesn't deal with the real issue that our sin separates us from God. And this, you know, if you kind of Think about having a conversation with people. When we learn to listen and pray to people, this can often be the starting point. Because when, when you get to know someone, they may say, you, you, know, you may say, hey, how's your, how's your week? And they may say, it's really rough. You know, like my, you know, I, I don't know. There's all kinds of things that, you know, they could, they, that people could share. Like, you know, I was in a relationship and it ended this week. You know, whatever it is. And when we listen to those things, it brings us to the point where we can say, you know what, I, I don't know that, I haven't experienced that same thing, but I know what you mean by brokenness. I know the pain. And we can say, can I, can I share with you where I find my hope in the midst of pain? And it opens a door into sharing the gospel, which I think is, is natural as we listen to people and as people open up to us. This is where we listen and pray, looking for open doors to share the gospel. So brokenness. The next line that comes out from there. Uh, go ahead and put the, the other line up. Sorry, you'll have to fast forward. There you go. That's what I want to see. It says, repent and believe. So we look at this whole thing. We say, okay, we are broken. We're separated from God. How do we get back to God? And we're going to talk about the gospel here in a moment. Actually, back up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rearrange. You, you should be okay. Go back to just the gospel slide. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to our tech team. They're amazing, right? Um, so we look at this and we say, okay, we're broken. How do we get to God? We've got this problem. And that's where the message of the gospel comes in. The gospel is this, that God in his love sent his son Jesus and that Jesus lived a sinless and perfect life. He never disobeyed God. He never rebelled against God. He never had sin. And so Jesus lived his life, and then he gave his life as a sacrifice on the cross to pay for our sin. See, you and I, we deserved 
judgment because of our rebellion and sin against God. And yet Jesus took that place, took that on himself. That's the forgiveness that God offers. And Jesus didn't just die on the cross as a good example. He died on the cross to take our sin. And three days later, he rose from the dead. That death and sin have been defeated. They're no longer the end of the story. And this is good news, that there is a way out of our brokenness, a way out of our sin, and a way back into what God designed. This is the gospel. So how do we get there? How do we move from brokenness to God's design? So put up the next slide again there of the recover, or repent and believe. So what do we do, right? Do we say, okay, well, then I just need to pull myself together, clean myself up, and work really hard? No. That's just another squiggly line that comes out of brokenness. In reality, there's nothing that we can do. We cannot fix ourselves. And so the only thing that we can do is those two words there, repent and believe. Repent means to turn around, to change direction. Believe is this idea of faith. That we look to God and we say, God, I cannot fix myself. I have sin and I cannot fix it. And faith says, God, I believe that Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died in my place so that my sin can be forgiven. I can't do it, but Jesus can. This is what it means by believe. It's not just, oh, I believe something out there. Out there, It's, I believe that Jesus is the way that I can come into relationship with God. And so we say, God, here's my life. Repent and believe is really this idea of recognizing our helplessness and surrendering and saying, okay, God, I can't but you can. So we repent and believe, which brings us to this place where we experience the gospel. We experience the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus. So then what happens? What happens as a result of that? This is the final line here. We recover and we pursue what God intended. What do we recover? We recover what God designed, which was that humanity would be in relationship with him, that we are no longer separated from God, but we are near to God. We recover relationship with God, and we pursue. What do we pursue? We pursue what God has called us to do. I ask this question often. Should we be good people? Should Christians be good people and do good things? The answer is yes. (laughs) The answer is yes. But what happens is, if we put that over here, We're in a mess. It doesn't do anything. But when it comes as a result of the change of Jesus in us, when we say, I have been forgiven by Jesus, so I'm going to forgive people. I've been loved by Jesus, so I'm going to love people. That God changes our hearts so that we do good things. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When the gospel changes our hearts, we recover what God intended and designed, and we begin to pursue and say, okay, God, use me. Use me to love and serve people, to lift up the name of Jesus in all that I do. And so we're going to put that back up and leave that there. Um, And so here's what I want to say. You've got this all here. I'm going to give you a few moments just where you are. Um, You can do this on your own. You can do it in your groups. Um, First thing I want you to do is practice. So maybe flip your card over and just draw it out again and talk through it in your group. Talk through it together. And then the second thing that i like you to do in your group is to take just a moment and to pray. Maybe there is someone in your life right now and you're like, I want to pray for that person and I, I want, you know, you're fine saying, 
you'll, you'll even sharing their name with your group. Maybe you don't want to do that. That's completely fine. But just begin to think, who can I be praying for that God would give me an opportunity to share the gospel? So take a few moments to practice this. We're going to leave it on the screen here. Talk through it, and then we'll come back together here in just a moment. All right, I hate to stop the conversation, but we're going to keep moving here for the sake of time. And so we'll, we'll, here's what we'll do. Um, if, you have, if you have questions um, about this or, um, or if, you, if you would just like, I would love to have like further practice in this, um, come talk to me and, and we'll set it up. We'll set up a time to do that over Zoom or something like that. If you want to practice with more, if you have questions, I would love to talk with you about that. A couple things that I want to do though, um, as we're, we're wrapping up here, um, it's a different format today, but hang with us, right? Um, on the table, on the Connect table, there are some books that are there. Uh, first of all, would you mind to hold one of those up? The um, those are our gift to you. Please take one of those. You can just hold it up. That's fine. You can take one of those if you want to have one, and it, it is really helpful in walking through this process. So that's a gift to you. Take that. Also, there's an app. Uh, I think there's an image for this. If you search Life on Mission, this is from my iPhone. If you have other devices, I'm sure it will do the same thing. I don't really know. Um, you can search, and it actually is a really practical and helpful way of doing this. And again, please know, like, you could learn this and do it very, very robotically. It's not what we're aiming at. But, but what's helpful is it allows us to have a starting point for clearly sharing the gospel. You know, we talked about at the beginning. It helps, I think, it helps build some of that confidence to say, okay, you know, like I, I don't know everything perfectly, but I can confidently and clearly share and, and know that I'm not like forgetting and leaving things out and things like that. So this is a helpful thing. And again, there may be times when it is completely appropriate to sit down with a piece of paper and say, do you know what? Have, and you could talk with someone and say, do you know what, like have, has, it, has a Christian ever shared with you what we believe? And sometimes people will say, no, not really. And just ask, can I share something with you? I've seen over and over that people say, sure. And sit down and draw it out and talk about it. There are plenty of other times where, again, learning this just helps equip you to have it in your head so that you can kind of clearly walk through a process of saying, this is who Jesus is, this is what he has done. So I think it's a versatile thing in that sense. Um, never should be robotic. Again, we talked about our caveats earlier, right? But if you want to learn more, please, please talk to us. We would love to do that. As we close this morning, whether you're here in the room or you're joining us online and you've seen us walk through this, maybe today you're sitting here and you're listening and you say, I need to put my faith in Jesus. Maybe it was hearing that gospel again clearly. We're separated from God from sin and we cannot fix ourselves, but God sent Jesus to forgive us and to rescue us. Maybe this morning you need to say, I need to put my faith in Jesus. I've been trying to do it on my own then put your faith in Jesus today. We would love to walk you through that and talk with you and pray with you about that. Maybe this morning you need to step back and ask yourself those, some questions. Am I abiding in Christ? Can the gospel overflow? What, maybe just ask, what's overflowing from my life? And if we're really honest, that can be a pretty good indicator. If what's overflowing is negative, negative, complain, complain, then maybe we're missing all the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God. And maybe today you need to say, God, have mercy, forgive me, and run back to him, and his arms are open wide. Annabelle, if you want to come on up, we're going to close in, in a couple songs. Maybe this morning you just need to say, pray and say, God, would you use me? 
Ask God. Ask him, God, would you give me opportunities to share the gospel? Ask him, say, God, would you, would you fill me with your spirit? This is not something that we go and we do in our own power. Maybe you need to pray, God, would you give me a heart of love for the people around me? And I think the last practical thing, and I already kind of talked about this, is maybe in your phone or in your Bible or in a notebook, think about those people in your life. Write down their names. You don't have to show it to anyone. This is not, you know, just begin to say, God, I want to pray for these people. Write it down. Begin praying for them. Begin looking for ways to serve them and to share Jesus with them. <clears throat> or maybe you're like, I don't really know what those names are at the moment. Just begin thinking, who can I get to know? What neighbor can I get to know? Who can I invite in? Maybe it's inviting to church. Maybe it's simply inviting to meet up and have a coffee. Maybe it's just getting to know someone. Because like Jonah, we are sent with a message. And like Jonah, we need the gospel to transform our hearts as we seek to share it with others. And through this whole series, it's, it's my prayer that we can be heralds of the gospel. Not hoarding it, not a little religious club, but saying, God, let us be heralds of the gospel. Let's make that our prayer. God, let us be a church that lifts up the name of Jesus in all that we do, proclaiming the greatness and the beauty of Jesus as our hope, as our life. That we could be a church that says, God, our lives do not belong to us. Here am I. Send me. God, would you use me? Make that your prayer this morning.